Hello and welcome to another Fight Site interview. Today we have the pleasure of Curtis Blades joining us, uh, the top-ranked UFC contender. Uh, and we also have Ryan Wagner joining us. Of course, you know him from the Fight Site. Uh, Curtis, thank you so much for joining us. No problem, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Thanks. Uh, Ryan, say hello to the people who love you. How's it going, guys? <laughs> um First off, before we begin, just make sure that you check out thefightsite.com. You'll be treated to a plethora of phenomenal articles by analysts like Ryan and uh, just technical breakdowns, uh, staff picks, all that stuff. Just fantastic work. I cannot praise them highly enough. Also, make sure that you check out the Fight Site on Patreon. Support us there directly. You can, you're treated to a ton of extra content that you can't get on the regular Fight Site. Uh, access to the Discord. You can ask podca podcast questions. Make sure you go check us out on Patreon. Uh, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the YouTube channel and share with your friends. It really does help us. And on for our podcast, you can check us out on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Leave a five-star rating, comments, share. really does help. With that out of the way, uh, Ryan, I'm going to let you take it. Uh, you have uh, some early, early career Curtis questions to ask. Thanks, Ben. And thanks for joining us, Curtis. Uh, to get started, I wanted to get an idea of your background. So how did you get into wrestling? And then how did the MMA career become a thing? When did you know that you wanted to really make a run for it? Uh, okay. Uh, I started wrestling my freshman year of high school. I didn't I didn't have any experience prior to high school. It, I hadn't even heard of, like, legitimate wrestling. I just knew the WWE version. I knew that wrestling. So, yeah, I started wrestling in high school. And I realized very early on, like midway through my freshman year, I was really good. And um, I knew I could possibly be one of the best in the state. So I kept doing it. Uh, I wrestled all throughout high school. I'm from Illinois. I'm from Chicago, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, wrestling's pretty big there. So for me to win state my, my senior year back in 2009, that was a pretty big accomplishment for me, pretty big uh, confidence booster. And I uh, carried that on to me. I went to Northern Illinois. I had a wrestling scholarship there. I messed up my grades, though, so I only wrestled there for one year. Then I ended up going to a junior college in the area, a local one. Uh, it's called um, Harper, Harper Junior College. I was there for two years. Uh, my second year, I won JUCO Nationals. And then... That was in 2012. Originally, I was supposed to go go to an NAIA school called um, um, Lindenwood, and I was going to go there and continue wrestling, continue my education and all that. But I didn't get my fall transcripts in in the like in the time you have to get them in, so I wasn't able to register for classes. And I wanted to do something to like remain active. So a buddy of mine from high school who I wrestled with, he was already into MMA. And he and his uh, father, they had been asking me for years to just come up to the gym and try out boxing and uh, kickboxing. So I finally did, like around August of 2012, I was back home in Chicago. I was back home from school. And um, I was there for about a month. And then this dude walked in. And was like, yo, do you want to fight? And then I really didn't want to fight, but uh, my buddy Angelo, he basically answered for me. He was like, yeah, we'll take the fight. 
And after he left, I was like, I really didn't want to do it, but he, he just he talked me into it. And pretty much the only reason I did do it was because he explained to me with my wrestling on the regional level, I'd be able to, to, to take down almost everybody, which he was right. So uh, I did the first amateur fight, like September, mid-September of 2012. And after that, my plan was just to keep doing it until I lost. And I didn't lose <laughs> until I made my UFC debut in uh, 2016. So was it a kind of thing where you fell in love with the sport, or was it just like, hey, this is working, why not keep going? Yeah, it was it was the latter for sure. I didn't really, I didn't really foster like a true appreciation, like uh, like a love of the sport until I moved here to Denver and I started training at Easton's with a team elevation and working with the the coaches I have been working with. They just how they broke down the sport and how they explained the, the techniques and and the situations and everything, just how they approached me, it, it made me develop a, a stronger appreciation. And at this point, now, yeah, I'm committed. I do love the sport, and I'm happy I made the made the decision. That's awesome. It's it's kind of amazing to hear how many uh, people in MMA have stories like that where they're just like, oh, I was doing another thing, and then my buddy just pulled me aside and be like, yeah. hey, let's go and fight. You're good at it. You can do it. Um, so I was wondering about your collegiate wrestling career. What kind of style did you have as a wrestler? What were your favorite attacks there? Oh, the double leg. Uh, I was almost exclusively uh, double legs. I never went for, for singles or anything else. I don't like the hand fight because most heavyweights were bigger up top than I was. And I knew that my greatest strength was my athleticism. And I knew hand fighting it kind of takes away my strength. So I never really developed any strong hand-fighting techniques. I just like to shoot. And I didn't have much of a, a top game. I would let guys up just to take them back down again. That's interesting you say that, because in especially your recent fights, you've been really good at controlling guys on the ground. Once they go down, they tend not to get back up. Um, so... How how have you developed that kind of riding game, especially nowadays in MMA? You see a lot of guys with folk style backgrounds coming in, and it's almost kind of like shot new life into the MMA grappling game. Where before, in like 2006 and all that, there was a lot more jujitsu oriented grappling. But nowadays, you're seeing guys like Habib, Askren, Kamaru Usman, and you who have this really good wrestling oriented game. And a lot of guys just don't really know how to deal with that. So how did you develop such a kind of complete top game? Um, I pretty much, I just brought the, the few top game principles I did have from wrestling, brought them over to jiu-jitsu. And my jiu-jitsu professor here, one of the reasons that we we clicked so well, he basically just took the things I already do well and was able to, like, tell me how to do it in a more jiu-jitsu, like, oriented way, like the... Instead of just squeezing and holding, squeezing with my legs, which allows my hands to, to strike more. It's it's not it's like same, same but different. Like I'm doing almost the same things I did in wrestling. Except it's almost easier now because guys they don't they don't know how to deal with the pressure that I apply with my hips. I don't have to do as much work with my hands because they can't get they can't stop my leg pressure. So I'm able to hit more 
it's just easier to hold down heavyweights who don't have my wrestling pedigree. Do you mean uh, which? Uh, who is your main jiu-jitsu coach? Uh, Cody Donovan. Right. He's a black belt mm-hmm. under. Oh yeah, you know Cody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, you know his credentials. You know how he breaks things down. He's very. He he always breaks it down like you're a five-year-old. That's kind of how I like it. Because jujitsu is so like expansive, and you can really get like you can get like lost when you get too deep and you. You straight off the path. I just need the basics. I'm not planning on becoming like submission specialist. I just want to learn how to hold you down so I can elbow you. Right. Uh, so when you first came into MMA, you mentioned you started training in 2012. So um, you you kind of jumped right in right from wrestling into MMA. Um, yeah. When you first started, and when you started fighting a more advanced competition that you couldn't kind of get down so easily. What did you find was working for you that you took from your wrestling background and what, what wasn't working? So how did you have to adjust what you already had in wrestling for success in MMA? Well, that's really, that's like the, the beauty of it. The way I wrestle was like almost built for MMA. I the jab into the double leg is pretty much what I did for wrestling. Except without a jab, instead of jabbing, I would snap down your hands and shoot. So it was almost the same principles with the exploding off the back leg and head and the chest and doing like a it's very aggressive it just the transition from what I was doing on the wrestling mat it was pretty easy to bring it into the into the uh, cage and uh, I really didn't have any issues with applying my wrestling in the, the cage it's honestly easier because guys don't know how to get their wrist control back they don't know how to get off a broken down head just the basic stuff that a lot, most heavyweights on the mat know these guys don't know how to do it so. Yeah, it's interesting that you were saying uh, you didn't really like the hand fighting because I find that a lot of the wrestlers who, who like that stuff, clearing ties, hand fighting and all that, kind of struggle to transition to MMA because you don't really have those engagements as much. But if yeah. you're shooting explosive double legs from the outside, uh, setting them up by timing and your hand, your jabs and your snaps, then, like you said, there's not, there doesn't seem to be too much of a, a block to transitioning. You can kind of do the same stuff. Um, there's an interesting thing I've noticed in some of your fights when, when you're on guys backs and you have the rear body lock, it seems like you all, you often go to a high grip where it's almost kind of under their armpits rather than a lot of guys who will lock around the waist. I was wondering why that is. Uh, my theory is that it seems like a good way to avoid loading all their weight on you. So you don't have to just pick up giant heavyweights all the time, but I'm not too sure. No, I mean... I've done both locks, but yeah, I've, I've found a bit more success bringing it higher underneath the ch- chest because I'm, I'm pressing my hips into their hips and I'm kind of like stacking them. And then when I bring them backwards, it makes it easier for me to pop my hips into their, into their hips and get some air on them. Right. Um, so we were talking to Sean Madden, uh, I think last week. Mm-hmm. The striking yeah, coach, he, yeah, and he was telling us that one of the things he'd like to see more from MMA fighters is more effective fainting, and um, particularly in your last fight, I was just watching that, and you were fainting Junior Dos Santos out a lot with the jab. Uh, I think the finish came off like a level change faint when you yeah. fainted the takedown and then hit him with the right hand. So how how has um, training with elevation been? How have they developed your comfort on the feet? 
Uh, it's been everything. Like when I got here, I got here immediately after I I lost my debut to Francis. I don't know if you watched that one, but my striking was it was very bad. My angles, my <laughs> my distance, everything. I didn't know how to strike. I didn't have a striking coach back home in Chicago, so he was he was able to take me as a, a raw athlete, and I didn't have any habits. I didn't have I didn't have any bad habits or good habits. I didn't have any habits. So he was able to just teach me everything how he wanted. And a main like one of the main ways to open up offense, I learned from my striking coaches, the feints, the pumps and the high lows and just moving your upper upper body. Also, I've been adding in hip feints, like taking the the calf kick and stuff like that. Cause my whole game is off of reactions. If I can get you to flinch or to, to to square up, to bring bring your lead leg back, to square up or to bring your hands up, any type of reaction, that's what I need to initiate my offense. Yeah, you can really see your comfort on the feet developing a lot uh, with them. Uh, like in your in the JDS fight, I noticed there were a few times where you would pump the jab and then he would give a reaction, like try to hit you, and then you'd counter. So that looked really nice. Um, So, with with the um, the team elevation and this having a, a striking coach and developing that kind of game, do you do you do any kind of like pure striking training? Do you kickbox with kickboxers, or is it all focused around kind of MMA rules, sparring and drilling? Honestly, no. Majority of my sparring rounds, uh, I'm wearing big gloves, and I kind of don't use my wrestling. I I've Force myself to be to be a striker. I force myself to push my conditioning on the feet because I know I can take down everybody in the room and just ground and pound them. I want to get better on my feet, so most of my rounds are pretty much glorified kickboxing rounds. That's how I like it, though. Um, it's interesting. You go ahead. So, yeah, I just wanted to actually ask about sparring also because in general, this is a question I, I do wonder about heavyweights in the sport. Uh, it's not like boxing, like, and this is something that we were actually mentioned to Sean. He wants to see it go the way of like the boxing camps, where you bring in sparring partners and stuff like that. Um, as a heavyweight, and you're you know one of the bigger heavyweights too. How how easy is it for you to have sparring partners that are of a, either of a relatively similar size, and is it is it a struggle to find that, and does that affect your uh, training in any way? It was a struggle initially when I first moved here to bring in bodies because Elevation wasn't really like a heavyweight gym, so they didn't have anyone. I was the first one of of note. So, yeah, we we started by bringing in local guys. Uh, they're no longer with the team. They were guys that my coaches knew. They reached out to them. We used them for like the first year. And then we eventually, other guys started to move here or started to pop up and they just we had a boxing guy who originally was from Jackson's and now he's out here. We had a, a guy who used to play in the NFL who was he was a fullback and then he started doing jujitsu in Easton's with under Elliot and he got really good. They were like, yo, would you want to do MMA? And he's like, yeah. And he's been working with my striking coach. So I've he's been he's been with us now for three years almost and the growth he's he's made has been exponential. He's actually a really, really good sparring partner now because his jiu-jitsu, 
he knows I can take him down. But then I know once I take him down, it's going to be a problem because he's got great <laughs> hips. I don't know. Do you know Zach Zach Ponga? He's uh, a the Polynesian guy. That's what. Yeah, that's what, uh, new, it. Sounded familiar. Yeah, he's he's one of my better uh, training partners. He's been there for a couple of years now. Just like guys like that, we've just slowly added a bunch of light heavyweights, a bunch of. I'm probably the biggest heavyweight besides Alistair, but we got enough heavyweights and light heavyweights, and I know how to take care of my partners. I'm not in there to hurt nobody. I just want to get better. So I honestly prefer going with light heavyweights. I go with, with Neil occasionally also just because he's got the reach. I know how to play. Like We play on our feet, and um, that's, that's really helped me a lot, just focusing on being on my feet in the majority of my rounds and regardless of what skill level the heavyweight is just having a body somebody I can I can hit without having to worry about hurting them is good enough for me now how has it been working with Alistair Overeem I got to imagine for someone looking to work on their striking and develop that game a little bit more it has to have been a great resource oh no that was amazing like when he originally reached out and asked uh, to come out here and work with with me and the guys at Elevation, I was a little bit uh, taken back, but he's he's very professional. He's he's like, bro, we already fought. It was a good fight. You won, but we're probably not going to have to fight again. And I like your style, and I like to learn from you. I think you can learn from me, and it's it's been great. I've been he's really helped me with my my distance because he throws a lot of awkward awkward strikes and I just got better at reading him and because because he's so he's very he's still a dangerous guy I know uh, a lot of people think he's older and slower and stuff he's still fast he's still strong he's actually a very underrated grappler he's got pretty good jujitsu also off his back so yeah going with Alistair has been uh, a tremendous help that's awesome. You'd love to see it. And yeah, like before he was this kind of monster striker, he was always known for his guillotine uh, back yeah. in Pride and everything. So he's a really he well-rounded fighter. Yeah. Um, so when we were talking to Sean Madden, one thing he, he stressed a lot was the importance of working in transitions, using striking yeah. to open up your wrestling and using your wrestling to open up your striking. Has that been a big emphasis, emphasis in your training and something that you've been working a lot on? Yeah, that's a, that's a staple. That's, that's one of the reasons I I work so well with my striking coach. He understands, just like Cody understands what I do best. He wants all my strikes to transition or to flow easily into my wrestling. So a lot of the combos we work, a lot of a lot of the the transitions we work are built for me. Like I do a lot of a lot of my offense is based off my jab because. My, my rear leg is always ready to explode. I don't like to I don't like to use hooks a lot because hooks kind of plant you in the ground and you know, they don't play well with with my high low game and stuff. Right. So Vinny's Vinny's been great at at just teaching me how to get to where I want to get. I mean, how to get to where I want to be like in the in the fight. I know how to get to the clinch. I know how to get get guys to half guard. I know how to. Uh, back the guy into a, a corner into cut angles. That's all Vinny. Now, 
In in your recent fights, you've been finishing guys a lot lately. So I was wondering if that's something you've been working on, developing power, especially in your top game. Um, when you're on top of guys, you're not you're not just kind of looking to control them and like until the round ends, you're you're controlling them and doing damage. Like you said, uh, hipping in and sitting on the leg, and freeing your hands up to strike. So how how have you kind of developed that that ability to finish guys? Uh, Cody. He's really worked for me a lot on, he has like a, a system and he likes to, the way he explains it, he likes to keep guys in these half jujitsu positions where it feels like jujitsu to them, but it's really not. It's more just like grappling. That's what I do best. It's not really, the rules are different. So like, he wants me to bait guys into going places and then for me to trap them in between their transition and that's where I land my strikes at so like if a guy if I have a guy in half guard I love half guard if I have a guy in half guard he's reaching up for a pummel instead of me just re-pummeling and getting back to position he's he's taught me a toss an elbow as I re-pummel just little things like that like teaching me to strike within the grappling exchanges I've just gotten really good at that. Right. Yeah, that, that half guard seems like a really popular position for a lot of wrestlers in MMA. Especially, you get guys, like, turning into you, and a lot of them will kind of use that to to do damage, like you said, and to, to go into their riding game. Like, Matt Mitrione mm-hmm. in a lot of his fights, he'll sit on the leg, beat you, beat you up a little bit, and then we, when you turn, when you belly down, he's got you in a ride. He can, like, fight hands and everything and keep punching you. So that's awesome. Um, I'm going to throw this over to you, Ben, now. He's sure. a he's a Marcelo Garcia purple belt, so he's probably gonna want to ask you questions about you beating up BJJ guys. <laughs> I, I I do forgive you first of all, so you know <laughs> so I just wanted to clear the air there. I know. Uh, <laughs> um, so I actually it's interesting that you said that you you know you, you don't have any interest in in really becoming a submission guy, and I think that actually is something that we see hold true for most wrestlers who come across into MMA, and it's it's just something I always wanted to know, you know. What's the reason why? Um, we have the occasional guy like Chris Weidman, who, aside being amazing at ground and pound, is also a really good submission grappler in his own right. Um, do why? What do you think is the reason that people to just me, don't gravitate? To me, it's like the difference between I don't know if you watch basketball, but it's the difference between a American big man and like a European big man. Mm-hmm. It's like Wrestling to me is an American big man in basketball, and jujitsu is the the more finesse version of a big man. And that's just that's just not how my mind works. I'm not looking to to go for a dodge when I could just elbow you. I'm not looking to go for a kimura. I could just elbow you. I know that I have the conditioning to just to to stay on top and just beat you into submission. And and for me, the energy spent holding you down and beating you, it's it's efficiently used. I feel like when I start going for submissions, I start, I put too much into it. I could gas out. I don't want to gas my arms out. I don't want to, I don't want to go for it and it doesn't happen. I'm like, oh shoot, what next? And my arms are too tired and now you get up and now I'm like, oh, I, I, I can't throw a jab now. I can't, I can't sprawl. So I just rather hit you. I know it doesn't take a lot of 
it's really just gravity. I'm just dropping my heavy fist on you, and that t- takes my energy. And I've, I, I feel like a lot of guys, like in the, the fight last night, Glover, Teixeira versus Anthony Smith, mm-hmm. there were so many times when I was awake where I would see him landing two, three strikes, and then he go for rear naked. Yeah. And then he'd go back to two, three strikes and go for rear naked. Two, and it wasn't working. But had he just thrown eight strikes or nine strikes, probably, probably would have ended. That's just how I, that's how I think. I'm not against submissions because if that's your game and you're good at it, you do it. But I'm more of a, a damage guy. Would you say that 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 um, stems from the the I guess for, this is the term that was used by um, we were talking to Jimmy Pedro, who's the U.S. judo uh, the head of U.S. judo, and uh, he said that it's the it's the it's a meat grinder mentality. I yeah. guess that just I want to sure. break you exactly. I break you, yeah. I just that comes from the wrestling, like, like how you beat guys. Because there's not that many moves to do on wrestling. It's like eight moves really. It's who can do them more, more times with proper technique? And if I shoot, that's always been my idea. If I shoot twenty times, you can't stop all of them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get one, which leads to two, which leads to four, which leads to eight. I had a lot of matches in high school and college where I was racking up six, seven, eight, nine takedowns. So that's just how I've always just thought. So that leads to uh, a question about how your wrestling is different from the other two. I think literally the other two wrestlers in the division, which is Stipe, <laughs> yeah. Stipe and not, DC. Not many of us. Yeah, and I don't think it's a coincidence that you guys make up, you know, the champ, <laughs> number one and number three. I mean, it's it's there's a reason. Um, but you all have different styles. DC is more of like, uh, he, he works in the clinch and the high crotch and stuff like that. And then you have Stipe, who really has a good snatch single. Uh, and you, like you said, you're a blast double. And you also have that really good high body waist lock. Uh, how do you feel you match up specifically in that wrestling? And, and where do you see things that maybe you could take advantage of that they're not necessarily at their best at? Well, like I said, I think that the way I wrestle transitions the most fluid. Because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need to grab you. I don't need to be that close. I mean, I I want to be able to cut you with a jab, but I have long arms. So I don't have to be as close as say Stipe to do right. a snatch. You have to be like, maybe a yard away. I could do my double leg from two to three yards away. So I just think, and guys, and guys, they know about it. They know it's fast. They know it's explosive. You gotta react. So just like Junior, he was so so committed to stopping it that you start dropping your hands, you start breaking the fundamental rules of striking in order to stop my wrestling. And I think that's what makes me different. Is the threat of my takedown is so explosive, and you end up in such a bad position because you're going on your back. So and no heavyweight wants to be there, guys react differently because dc you know if you jab him keep him at bay he can't do what he wants to do same thing with stipe you keep him at bay he can't really do what he wants to do me i could be a couple yards away and just high low and high low and you just it's like a invisible wall that i'm pressing on you even though i'm not touching you it's just like my head moving and my pressure 
Like, you can feel that. And guys go backwards without me even, like, touching them. Like, my fight in Abu Dhabi, I was able to back up Abdurahimov without even really throwing a punch, just high lowing because he knows it's on the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually have a very big uh, Shamil fan, and he, he 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 may or may not have been angry at us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, he's a judo guy. Uh, yeah, combo. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the, you tra- you traitors. <laughs> Something like that. Um, it's uh, so I actually wanted to speak about your upcoming fight. I'm pretty sure you're booked to your fa- to face Volkov, and it's uh, June June twentieth. Yeah. or something like that uh what kind of uh do you guys i know we, we you know when we spoke with sean they definitely you guys definitely do specific um training and stuff like that for your opponents but we've seen volkov get put on his back by other people and yeah i'm sure that's definitely like a a mental boost to yeah. to note that you've seen him there we know but the last person he faced that got him there was their doom and he was able to work his way out consistently what kind of things are you working on to kind of i guess prevent that uh prevent him from being able to take advantage of any openings or stuff to stand up we know he's tough we know he can take a beating uh what kind of stuff do you see that you can take advantage of personally the pressure i bring when i'm on the ground and my hips are into you it's not as easy to get like the thing with Verdum, he's a jiu-jitsu player mm-hmm. so the pressure he has is more of that like rest of float i'm not floating i'm not looking to pass i'm looking to, to pin you to anchor you down so when Volkov turns or rolls or does any movement to get up, um, I got that bottom leg pinned. You're not going anywhere. And if you do, it's going to be a struggle. Kind of like my Mark Hunt fight, how mm-hmm. he kept getting up. But each time, I'm like a backpack. And by the time you get up, I'm in position to take you back down. So that's really what I think the difference is. My grappling pressure, like how I'm going to stick to him, my like glue, and also, I'm going to be throwing heavy strikes. So, he wants to stand up. He's going to eat four or five punches, and then I'm going to take him right back down. He can do it over and over and over. I'm I'm prepared to to score ten takedowns. I'm trying to break records. You actually do already have the record for heavyweight takedowns, <laughs> just so you're, and it's by a wide margin. And number two is Kane. So I think you've got this one. <laughs> um, Speaking of, you're essentially a, a I, I say this in the most respectful way, you're essentially a baby in the heavyweight division because anybody under 30 is already a rarity, uh, especially in the heavyweight rankings. And you're 29 and you've only been fighting for six years. So, uh, and a lot of the guys are kind of older in, the, yeah. in that. In the, and as you grow and become more of a, a crusty veteran, uh, what... How do you expect to kind of change to deal with the no longer being an up and comer? Because I guess there's, I, I can imagine there might be a mentality shift that you're no longer the new guy. You're now becoming more of a veteran. Is there some sort of mentality shift? Like as you start to be like, okay, so this is the new yeah. crop and there's going to be new things to, to, to kind of have to face. I'm an athlete, like a lot of athletes. Like I don't know if it's been, watching the MJ documentary, but he's one of the greatest athletes and competitors I can think of. And just like him, I'm looking to grind you into a dust, especially if you're, you're new. I'm not going to let you get any type of confidence. Like, if I ever, I doubt I ever do, but if I ever get, like, a debut guy, I'm going to press the shit out of him. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to get any 
in his face. I'm gonna let him let him know he doesn't want to be in here because I'm a veteran. Like you said, I'm. I like that. I like going from being the hunter to the hunted because I enjoy that. I enjoy the the pressure. I want to see how bad you guys want to beat me. Like, are they willing to do what I'm willing to do to win? And I don't think a lot of guys are because I've always got the wrestling in my back pocket, and I don't think unless I can't think of any up and coming young heavyweight wrestlers who who might potentially want to jump in this game. Because a lot of a lot of wrestlers, the biggest thing is you don't want to get hit in the face. That was my biggest issue. I didn't want to get hit in the face. And it took like two years of sparring for me to get over that. I just, I think by the time I'm a grizzled like, uh, veteran, like two, three years from now, I'll be such a complete fighter by then. My jujitsu is getting better. It's, it's still the weakest part of my game because I don't have to use it as much. But by then, I should be at least grappling. I'm already grappling in my opinion, like a blue belt. I think in another two years, I'll be grappling like a purple belt, which is good enough for me. Speaking of grappling, do you, do you see yourself doing things a lot of <laughs> fighters have kind of done because you can't take you can't take boxing matches, you can't take kickboxing matches outside of the, once you're in the UFC specifically, uh, but for whatever, you know, they allow you to take grappling matches. Do you see yourself doing stuff like that, like with any yeah. sort of regularity? Yeah, I definitely want to do some... Uh, no gi competitions. I wish, I wish they still handed out the katanas. I never got one. Always wanted one of those. <laughs> I think Naga Naga might still do them. I, I, I can. Well, I, might, I, I might have to do a Naga then because I definitely want one of those. Oh yeah, they do that with a belt. Uh, there's one gym that had like 46 katanas because I just kept going to Naga <laughs> because I just wanted to. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you do you ever uh, do you ever see yourself putting a gi on? I did originally. Have you heard of Rodrigo Comprido? Mm-hmm. He's a Brazilian who always has like the green, purple. Well, he's Illinois based, and that was the first jiu jitsu mat I ever, I ever stepped on was him. Uh, Braza. And mm-hmm. he gave me my first gi. I have a Braza, Team Braza gi. Uh, but I didn't like it. It, it kind of removes my explosive explosiveness and my athleticism like an mm-hmm. old man can. Lock me up in a guard with the gi. But well, I love jujitsu. <laughs> that's that's one of the parts I don't like. I don't like when old guys hold me down, especially with gi. So uh, it just it frustrates me. Maybe as I get older, my appreciation for gi will grow. But as of right now, I don't. I haven't worn that gi in eight years. Uh, I mean, that's kind of the reason why I'm able to have any success is I can slow down the. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have Those speed. Handles and hooks. Yeah, I don't have speed or athleticism, so <laughs> I have to rely on the gi. <laughs> um, I actually wanted to actually pivot to a different grappling martial art, judo, because we spoke with um, um, a couple of judo guys, and we were talking about the applicability of judo in MMA. Um, do you work any judo? Do we have, like, you have a jujitsu coach, you have your wrestling and stuff like that, but is judo something that is worked on at EFT? I don't think we even asked Sean that. No, I mean, one of my old roommates, uh, Chepe Machine Gun Maniscal, he's a judo black belt from uh, uh, the Chicago area. He also moved out here. He's probably the most experienced judoka we have at the gym. And he's, he's like, 
on us a few things here and there, but it's it, judo is just like wrestling. Like I feel like it's harder to grasp that as an older guy because you got to get tossed on your back over and over and over. Because you got to get the the feel for the leverage and and all that. Like it's hard to pick up wrestling and judo as an older guy. Jiu-jitsu is I feel like it it lends itself. It's a it's it's easier for people to pick up because it's not as high contact. So, judo as a heavyweight, I'm not really interested in getting tossed on my back a hundred times to perfect the move. So, I don't foresee myself ever really getting into judo like that. But I do I do see some situations because I've I've watched like when I said uh, Chepe, I watched him in sparring toss to everybody. He's tossed Corey Sanhagen, TJ Dillashaw, Gaethje, Austin. If if you if you lean your head over, he's gonna snatch it, put his hip up under you, and you you're gonna be looking at the ceiling. He's he's done it to almost everybody. So I know it's it can be applicable. It just and also the height thing. You have to get your hips up under guys. Mm-hmm. I'm usually the the taller maybe if I had some judo for this fight against uh, Volkov, it would be <laughs> it would be good to know, but outside of him, it it would be really hard for me to get my hips under a lot of guys. Um, uh, so do you do you plan at all for? I, I've asked this to some more. This is more jujitsu guys, and I kind of got an answer on both sides of it. But do you plan at all for when you like? becoming good at certain things not necessarily to use now but to use later when maybe you're you're going to be more you know older and maybe the athleticism isn't going to be something you're going to necessarily rely on as much learning skills that are more applicable at then i guess is a better question um yeah for me really the guard passing i want my guard passing to be as as crisp as it can be because i know Eventually, I won't be able to just hop over everyone's legs or just just big man out of every move. Like proper passing eliminates a lot of opportunities for uh, reversals and bottom submissions. Uh, so that's really that's the biggest thing I I think about in practice is working on my tra- transition from half guard to uh, C cut to captain's chair to smash pass back to captain's chair. Just those transitions, I work on those a lot. I know later on, so my game is, as I get older, my game is going to be even more wrestling oriented because as you get older, you get slower, you get more hittable. So I, I, I plan on, in my last years of fighting, being a lot more like a Randy Couture, like getting you against. That's one, another thing I work on a lot because of Alistair is clinch warfare. Like, I've gotten a lot better at learning how to can't fight in the, in the clinch. That wasn't ever a thing I, I really focused on. But having Alistair here, he lives in the clinch. So he's just forced me to get better at that. I think it's really important that you're doing that because um, for, for other fighters to hear too, because most fighters kind of just do what works for them and they grow in those areas. And it seems like they hit that, that peak and then – physical decline and they're just like they've got to retool their game yeah you're planning ahead and as i think i don't know if i've ever i've ever had the chance to ask fighter but i've never heard a fighter even verbalize 
yeah, of course I'm planning for when I can't do what I normally do. Yeah. So oh, no. these knees of mine, Dave, there's a, uh, a, a, a clock on them. I won't be able to hit that double leg forever. Brian, I've been talking almost too much probably. So <laughs> back to you for sure. Uh, so I was wondering recently, especially with the last card, there's been a lot of discussion about kind of the role of corners in protecting fighters. Um, there was that that scene where Anthony Smith uh, handed the ref mm-hmm. his tooth after getting it knocked mm-hmm. out by Glover. Mm-hmm. And he was telling his corner, I think, between the fourth and fifth rounds, uh, like my teeth, he's knocking my teeth out. Uh, so, And his corner has been criticized a lot for letting the fight go on. So I was wondering where, where you stand in that discussion. Uh, do you think that corners have a responsibility to stop the fight when the, when the fighter is taking a lot of punishment? Or as, as someone who's obviously a competitor, would, would you prefer that they let that go on and give you every chance that you have? There's a lot of gray area in there. It depends on your past. Like, have you had a recent history of getting KO'd? Is your jaw, is, have you... Have you not ever been KO'd? Um, is it heavyweight? Is it light heavyweight? Is it bantamweight? That's also a factor. And then what what part of the round is it? Are we at the end of the round, like the last 40 seconds and you're getting hauled off on? I'll probably, I'll let you stay in there if, if it's just that. But Anthony Smith's situation, he was getting beat up for like whole rounds. Like that's, that should have been stopped. I do believe his corner failed their responsibility. You, you know your fighter. You know if he has the ability to pull something out of the bag. You know that. Anthony Smith doesn't have power. He's not a big light heavyweight. After he's getting humbled for three rounds, how else is he supposed to win? He has to pull off a heavy uh, a KO. That's not in his game. His game is like finesse, but by then it's too far gone. He can't implement his game plan. He's already too beat up. So I would have stopped it after the third. Personally, I would have stopped it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think that fight definitely went on too long. Um, I guess in wrapping up, is there anyone? If you're looking at the the landscape of the division, is there anyone that you'd like to fight that you haven't got a chance to? Oh, Derek Lewis. I've I've asked for him multiple times and they, he always has an excuse this time because uh, I, I wanted him originally but they gave me Volkov instead it, um, my manager was told he's having heart surgery I don't believe it I don't believe it because I asked for him right after he he beat he beat Ear Latifi I thought he lost that fight but I, I called him out immediately and the immediate response was, oh, he's going to get heart surgery next week. Like, but he just fought. So how bad is his heart if he just fought? So, yeah, I don't believe that. Uh, the important question after that is, do you think he can also bench press you off of him? <laughs> I saw that. I saw it. He must not watch any of my fights. If he thinks I'm going to take him down and just rest. It's like he must not watch any of my fights, which is good. If that's what, like, he already, he knows he's going on his back. He knows that. He knows the way he, the way he strikes. He puts everything into every punch. Even when he throws flying knees, he puts everything into, like, I'm going to catch one of those and 
puts on your butt, and then then you're screwed because he's not giving up. He doesn't have any type of jujitsu. I don't know if you've seen any of his fights on the ground. Oh yeah, he, he has no type of grappling acumen at all. Yeah, it's kind of a running. It's not. It's not a joke because I mean I'm not gonna make fun of Derek Lewis because I, I like being alive. But uh, no, it's just like it's like oh I'm just gonna stand up. Like he just stands up and throws heavyweights. And it was just I'm, every time I watch it, I'm like, why does? But I do that, and it just gets me caught in a choke. So what the hell is going on here? It's it's no. yeah. But obviously that's what I was like. I, we haven't really seen. I think the best wrestler we've seen him against was Ilatiki. Maybe, yeah, yeah. He held him down for eight and a half minutes out of a fifteen minute fight. I know he didn't land a lot of ground account, but mm-hmm. in my book, he won that fight. If you held top position for eight and a half minutes in a fifteen minute fight, that's over half the fight. And Derek Lewis, he never landed anything that looked like it. It really hurt. He was throwing those uh, crazy jumping flying knees from half halfway across the octagon, mm-hmm. like his his fighter Ike. IQ is not the highest. Some of the strikes he, he throws, I'm like, why? And, like, he knows he has a bad gas tank, but he still chooses to be, use the most explosive moves he can think of. I just don't get it. Uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, Ryan, sorry. I, I think I interrupted you before. Um, I was just wrapping up. Uh, so, Curtis, is there anything you'd like to promote? Anything you got going on that you want to shout out? Uh, I mean, as always, I want to give uh, a shout-out to Team Elevation and all the coaches and all my sparring partners who helped me become the, the fighter I am today. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to Manscaped. They're one of my sponsors. Um, I'd like to give a shout-out to – I hate this. I always forget who my sponsors are. <laughs> uh, I'll just do better next time. I have a list. I can't remember them. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm 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 Jewish, so I I got this for you. The whole Gansa Mishpucha. That's what you. That's who you're giving a shout out to. <laughs> it's the whole family. The whole family. Everybody. Everybody. Um. Well, in that case, uh, Curtis, thank you so much uh, for coming on. It was absolutely. It was awesome having you. Really appreciate it. Um. More than welcome anytime. Uh. This yeah. offer went out to Sean. It goes out to you. If you want to drunk watch some fights with us, please feel free to join. <laughs> Would be happy to have you. I'm more, I'm more of a stoner. Oh, team. I got you yeah, covered. Yeah. Oh well, you should have just told that. me. I would have, <laughs> I would have busted out, I would have busted out my pipe. Definitely <laughs> more of a stoner. We were watching the fights last night. There was no alcohol here. There was lots of, lots of guys. Okay, we're we're definitely okay. We have to book that. We're gonna definitely have to book that. That sounds like a blast. Um, Ryan, uh, thanks again for coming on. I really thanks appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me, man. I had a great of time. Of course. Yeah, thanks, awesome. Um, once again, make sure you check out thefightsite.com. Amazing articles, amazing work. Uh, the Fight's on Patreon. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like, comment. Uh, make sure that you also check us out, the podcast. Leave a comment, five-star rating, Spotify, Apple, and Stitcher. Also, make sure you follow Curtis Blaze on Instagram and on Twitter. I've Probably Facebook, I'm guessing, if you have a, a fan page. Uh, I'm sure you can find him pretty easily. Just search Just Curtis Blades Twitter, Curtis Blades yeah. Instagram. I guarantee you'll find him. Elevation Fight Team, make sure you follow them and support them. And Curtis Blades fighting once again June 20th of 2020. Alexander Volkov, make sure you go and give him, send him some love and support him. 
Thank you all so much for listening. It's been Ben Cohen with another Fight Side interview.